Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Newer Collective podcast. What an exciting time it is for us in the collective as we start to introduce you to all our new members and to bring forward our new podcast episodes once again. And also we are just publishing a couple of new articles on our website um, where you can check them out on the Newer Journal at www.newercollective.ie. But today we are here with Paul McMahon and Luke Hickey and we're going to talk a little bit today about mental health and mental health and art, especially, of course, how it either influences artwork, influences artists and influences potentially the viewer. So there's lots of scope here that we can talk about and we probably won't get it all covered today, but we're going to make a stab at it today and see where we go with it. I think for me personally, I just before we kind of go into this, I've always had um, a really great affinity with art and my mental health and how it has really helped or connect me with my own personal self, my own personal identity, my own my own um, experiences in life and how that has supported that. If I could put it into words, there would be no reason to paint. And Edward Hopper said that. And I think that really resonates with me. And I think it resonates with a lot of people who go and view art because there isn't always the couple of words that can that we can say on how we feel or how we are um, experiencing something. Sometimes an image is all that could represent that. And so with that in mind, um, I'm going to now introduce us to Paul McMahon, who is going to speak to us a little bit about his practice and, and where he's come from, his, his own life experiences with mental health. Paul, how are you doing? Great. Nice to see you guys. Nice to talk to everyone. Um, yeah, my name is uh, Paul McMahon. I live in the beautiful uh, Loophead Peninsula in County Clare, in West Clare. Uh, I've been here now just over four years, but I lived in the US and England for the best part of 40 years prior to that. Um, I really only started painting professionally for, for, for the last four years since I arrived back in Ireland. Uh, prior to that, you know, I was involved in business and raising families. Uh, unfortunately, about 10 years ago, I suffered a, a major mental uh, breakdown. Um, I was diagnosed with uh, clinical depression and anxiety. Um, it has caused uh, a huge change in my personal circumstances in my life. Um, but thankfully, uh, I'm still here to, to talk about it. Things got very dark for me. Uh, it's been difficult, but thankfully I'm, I'm in a good place now, thanks to family, thanks to very good professional people, professional help and, and, and medication and therapy. The reason I'm talking about this at the moment, and, and thanks to the new collective and this podcast and, and our site and, and, and what's going on, is I just want to express my uh, gratitude to Nua and my gratitude to family and so on for getting me back into painting. Um, it has been a huge uh, part of my life for the, the past four or five years in particular, but has been all my life. But it has helped me greatly in overcoming um, my inadequacies, my inadequacies, if you want to, to call them that. I was in a very dark place. Uh, very dark indeed. Painting brought me out of that uh, to a, a great degree uh, with the other things that I've mentioned already. And I'd like this discussion 
to be about that, not the negative things, but the positive things about art. One thing I would say is my art was inclined to be very dark in nature when I, when I started four years ago and, and, and became uh, transitional during the COVID period in, in becoming even darker at times. Uh, I made a conscious decision to, uh, to try and get my mind out of that negative space by painting, by changing the way I paint, uh, by painting incredibly bright colors. Even my, the themes of my paintings changed from things like uh, the famine of uh, the 19th century um, to more joyous things. Um, it has been hugely helpful for my mental state and uh, family in particular uh, have been, have noticed the difference uh, in, in the way I live my life even um, since I've, I've come back to painting. Um, with regard to, we, I know we discussed yesterday about uh, shame and uh, embarrassment, uh, which you do feel when you're, which I felt certainly when I was diagnosed, um, I was always a strong person and, and, and um, I, I, was, I was quite frankly embarrassed. But when I did start talking about it publicly and, and, uh, and to friends, you soon find out who your friends are because a lot of people still don't understand that this is an illness. It's not just, you know, pull up your, pull up your, your socks. Um, it is an illness. I, I, I've had my illness treated just like anyone would, would treat cancer or, or any other illness. You do find out who your friends are. And I used to think that was a bad thing because I thought I'd lost friends. But actually what you do is you discard the people who are not true friends and the people who stick by you and understand and will talk to you about it, they are your true friends. But I don't want to get uh, involved in, in that discussion so much as, as the art situation. Mm. Um, it has, as I say, helped tremendously in my life. Uh, and I find as we've come out of COVID and, and uh, perhaps it's everyone's state of mind, but certainly my state of mind, I'm changing the process in the way I paint. I'm now painting much larger canvases because I felt restricted in smaller canvases in expressing what's in my mind. And your quote was wonderful about um, painting is my way of expressing myself because I do find it difficult at times um, to express in words what I'm truly feeling. Uh, so I, I am now, as I say, changing the process of, of what I'm doing uh, I'm just about to commence a, a triptych, which will be large canvases, six by sixes. Um, and it will be interesting to see, but I no longer, um, I don't know if this makes sense, but I no longer listen to people's um, expression of joy or their expression of, or their non-expression of joy when they look at my work. I work for me now. If people like it and appreciate it, fabulous. Um, but it's about me and my peace of mind. And hopefully people will appreciate where I'm coming from. At least I need to be true to myself, if no one else. That's an amazing testament, Paul, and thank you for sharing that with us. I think it's absolutely vital that these sorts of stories are shared with the world and how, how you have come through such a difficult moment in your life 
to be able to to come out the other end to have work to show for that and to have your own self-confidence and your own self-belief to be able to stand strong and be able to say this is is a real testament to your journey and how you have come through all of that. So I think that's incredible and should be really you should be really proud of yourself for being able to do that. I think Thanks for that, Emily. No, it's it's amazing. From just just before we we talked to Luke about his experience, because I I know we're just to kind of keep it fresh. There's you were saying a lot about others' point of view on your work and what you're presenting while you're in that dark moment. How did that impact on you personally? Did it force you to create work in a different way? Yes, it did. But it's not that thought process is not just about art. That's inadequacies in, in me and possibly in, in, in everyone is there is always, I think we all have self-doubt and it's about getting over that self-doubt. It's about regaining confidence. Now, I think most people know me would have said 30 years ago, I was a very confident person. I think we all put on a little facade at times. I certainly did in the years in business and so on. Uh, I don't think people... If I told them now, people I haven't met in a while that I suffer with clinical depression probably wouldn't believe me or wouldn't understand it because I did put up that facade. And I think you put up that facade sometimes in your artwork Mm. where I thought maybe I had to produce what people consider to be commercial work. And I have paintings in my wardrobe that will never see the light of day probably because I absolutely hate them because they're, they're what I consider too commercial. They're not... They're not be. I'm not being true to myself. Mm. That mm-hmm. Absolutely. But yes, my artwork did change. But I, I did go that route of saying, oh, maybe I should try and do more commercial work that people might understand more. Mm. And I stopped that, and I just don't do it anymore. Mm. You know, a paint for me, and if I'm happy with the painting, then I am happy with the painting. I don't think you're alone there, um, Paul, in those feelings. And I'm sure Luke will concur with that, where most artists and anyone who is in the arts in any way, or whether that's visual arts or performance arts or anything like that, um, we're always the biggest critic of ourselves. And those who are not uh, majorly self-indulgent who think they're amazing, I'm sure there are many um, people and divas out there who think they're phenomenal. But probably beyond that facade, they are very much questioning and editing and thinking about how could I've done that better? How is this right? Is this wrong? And there's that constant question that we always have about our work. And sometimes we just have to accept it for what it is and let it out and not try to conform to the tick boxing system that we all try to do in order to get funding or to try and get gallery exposure or to try and and become accepted within a certain ideal of what art is supposed to be right now in the contemporary art landscape. I think that's something as well that is really important for artists to stick by their their guns and to to continue to make work for them and for what they believe. Once they're, as we spoke about in our previous episode of, of the Collective's podcast, once people are true to themselves and once they are telling a story or sharing something with the world in some way that they could potentially resonate with or that even if one person could particularly resonate with, then I feel we are doing our job as artists. Yeah, absolutely. And it just uh, to, to finalise what I was trying to say is when I do sell a painting, it's, it's, not about, it's not about the commercial end of it. 
Mm. It's about I get a great joy out of just one person getting what I'm trying to express. 100%. I think that's the validation that we kind of long for. Yeah. Luke, thank you for coming back onto our podcast again. We had a great chat with you in our last podcast um, in season one. And we sound like a big, massive uh, podcast episode uh, series producers, but we will, we'll get there. <laughs> and we'll share them with, with Netflix and Sony, Fox Studios and everything in the future anyway. Luke, tell us, tell us a little bit about your journey. Just give us a little refresher because we, we have spoke about this before, but uh, for those just joining us and who have not listened to our podcast before, give us a little bit of an insight to you, Luke. The last two are more or less about uh, me being autistic. So uh, I'll probably leave that on the back burner as much as I possibly can today because, you know, it's already on the Artism podcast and it's on the arts and disability podcast from season one so i won't go too in depth on autism but my mental health and my practice they've always been kind of intertwined even before i had um to go back to the quote you shared earlier before i had the words to put into an artist statement or something like that i was doing these things in my practice to um, share how I felt about the world around me or um, document my days. So I was painting for the sake of trying to express myself and where I was in that moment in time. And it took a while to dawn on me that that was what I was doing. And it wasn't until I think it's an Edward Monk quote um, that his goal was to paint his soul's diary which really resonated with me. And it's what, what I do to this day is I paint what I see and what's around me. But um, I guess in counterpoint to Paul is I wouldn't necessarily um, see that my my color palette isn't too dark. I kind of use as a kind of um, a counterpoint uh, or, you know, a balance from the darkness of the true meaning behind the, the paintings or why I paint or the psychological aspect of why I paint. But my own mental health journey, I guess, began when I was 14, 15. I was fairly young into my teens when I kind of felt um, something wasn't quite right uh, mentally. So I I got diagnosed around that time, second or third year, with MDD, it's a major depressive disorder, and GAD, generalized anxiety disorder. I used art and drawing and other aspects of creative endeavors as a way to working through those emotions, but took a long long road, get from there to where I am now. Back then I was kind of ashamed of it, um, afraid to say it, afraid to look weak, I guess is what most um, males I talk to say. It's like, it's kind of like we're born with this need to look or feel strong. And for a lot of years, I kind of ignored my mental health and 
just, you know, kind of patching over with creative endeavors. But in the last in the last decade, my professional practice of art really kind of helped me get it all out and make me feel better about where I am and where my mental health is and where my head is. So it's 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 usually been um, bright work or similar color palettes. I wouldn't say I've gone too dark or too explicit with it, but sometimes even the the simplest thing can say a lot and being very upfront in a way. Like um, the painting of the pharmacy bag, that's that in my profile and collective, that's fairly innocuous. Like every, most people has, have taken home a, a pharmacy bag at one stage in their life or another. But the thing is, Mine is always full with antidepressants and sedatives and all these other medicines that people are kind of reluctant to say they're on or to talk about openly. Um, and then there's the aspect that um, these tablets can also make you sick if you're getting used to them for the first time. And the, the, the meaning of that, I believe that painting is called Spark Gala, which means black oil in Swedish. And when I was getting used to these tablets, it made me feel sick quite a lot. So, like, even though I use these quite benign imagery in my work, there's there's often much darker layer behind it. That's how I get around with getting these ideas out. Thank you, Luke, for sharing that with us. Um, again, just another incredible story of your life experiences have influenced your work. Is there any relief that you get from creating work like that? Similar to Paul, um, the most relief I get is when somebody connects with her. They don't necessarily have to buy it. They can say they they love it, they feel the same. Uh, um, it, it could be simple as as that. It's, um the my biggest critic is myself mm. um and i think that's a, a that's the case for a lot of people but i feel people with um mental health conditions were were often harder on ourselves than most people i'm not saying other people take it easy on themselves but we're, we're often very critical of ourselves or what we're doing and I think that's um, I'm my biggest critic. Like, uh, I could be satisfied with work, but um, there could be other stuff I feel I could have done to make it better. Um, Does that stop you from continuing to make work? How, like, for example, for now, how is how is your practice currently progressing? My personal practice this has been in a bit of a slump. Um, I wouldn't say it's because of COVID necessarily, 
uh, on the first podcast with you, I, I brought up um, going about my autism diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And that was my first uh, first experience with therapy and therapists and psychologists. And uh, as part of that, you, you kind of talk about all things and you you give them examples of what you were like and all and bring up all that it kind of brought up a lot of trauma with it and it's kind of kind of blocked me a little bit um in the painting kind of sense so i don't really paint as often as i would like to but i still maintain a little sketchbook i still jot down ideas um whether it's necessarily as a result of depression that's called my current slump, it's, uh, I don't feel depressed. I feel kind of burnt out from the, the men- mental uh, expenditure of going through uh, the diagnosis from three years ago mm. and bring up all that kind of old trauma into words. Yeah. And that, that, that allowed me to continue, but I, I feel it's different when you say it in words. Mm. Paul, have you experienced anything like that? Yeah, I, I, but, but, you know, I, I kind of look at it slightly differently. I, I, I try desperately uh, on a daily basis uh, not to look at anything um, that I have or have not done or do or do not do um, in a, on a negative basis, I, I, I think all of us um, have blanks in our life, be it painting or, or even in family life or taking care of everyday matters or administration or anything like that. Me, on a personal basis, I have gone through periods where I painted very little, and then I've gone through periods where I'm frenetic in what I, what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't worry too much about the downtime. What happens is you go into a, a darker hole and and you start using that as you, you will get to a point where you say, I just can't do it anymore. So I will not allow myself to go that route. Mm-hmm. If I don't paint for three weeks, uh, which has happened, uh, I, I kind of don't worry too much about it. Yeah. You don't put a label on it almost. I don't put a label on it, no. Yeah. It's not that I've not been creative. I can still pick up my guitar and write songs or write music. Or Do it. It's, it's just the matter of getting paint on a canvas seems to be the tricky bit. Just do automatic painting like people do automatic drawings and just make a mess and get back into it. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly it. I mean, the way I work in general is I don't have too many... Uh, perceptions of, of exactly what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I, I normally take a canvas and I'll mark the, the canvas. And then something comes into my head and I, I, I work with that. Quite often a painting that I do will change dramatically from when I start to finish. So it's about, for me, it's, it's, it's just about getting, even if it's a blob of paint on the canvas, mm-hmm. and just take it from there. But that's a personal thing. I can totally resonate with that too. I do exactly the same thing. If I need to um, 
get back into it in any way from uh from maybe a time away from painting it's sitting down having it there and just starting just putting something on the just camera yeah. just starting as yeah. if something that has um motivated you before is what or what does what has motivated you before before uh luke in in creating work or in starting again it, it could just be you know you know you when you feel ready to create it just flows naturally mm. before the last two years i was in college and you had to make to you know do well like but i would have said i would have knocked them out quite knocked paintings out quite quickly back then um and it came very natural you know start a painting in the morning and almost have it finished by the evening there was no like real reasons or motivation i just i just did it naturally i think i i don't really have a plan at the moment then that's that's could be another issue is because i'm a very plan orientated person and that's that's more to do with being autistic than suffering from depression mm. so i need to have it plotted out a to b to through c to d and to finish like so i perhaps need to take my head out of it to get going again if that makes sense mm. Absolutely. I need to kind of just shut off the brain and let that the pen or the paintbrush. Yeah, and take you don't. Along. You don't need to beat yourself up about it, Luke. You know, um, it happens to I guess everyone uh, in every aspect of their life. Life, just not about painting. You know, sometimes I think we just need to give our brains a rest. Definitely, I totally agree with that too. Um, just taking on board what both of you have said about about how your work is perceived. Just moving on a little bit to that. You've both said that you kind of create work so that someone can gain something from it. But if we put ourselves into the gallery context and just to put ourselves into the feet of a viewer who may not have picked up a paintbrush before in their lives, or maybe they haven't, but the last time it was when they were four in preschool, how do you feel work helps that person through something that they may not know what they're going through or how they how they can deal with it. You know, it's 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 a big thing, um, Eamon. I've thought a lot about it, and I have. I'm fortunate to have uh, family members, uh, cousins, who are artists, and I've spoken to them about it. Um, and it's the old thing: everyone can paint. Actually, it's, mm-hmm. I really get cross when somebody says, "I know nothing about art, and I can't paint," yeah. or or whatever, or write, or or. Sculpt or whatever it might be. The famous you know, line I says, I can't draw a straight line, and I'm like, oh, for goodness sake, that's what I can do. I yeah. can't yeah. draw a stick, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, 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 you know, look, you can only talk to people or or uh, encourage people to go to galleries or or look on the internet and, and look at look at look at works uh, and read more actually, because I think there is definitely the next generation down. Uh, including my own boys, uh, don't read anything uh, like I, I certainly used to read. And I, and it's funny, it's, it's, it's interesting, I took my youngest son, who's 25 now, to several galleries in Dublin and in Manchester and in various places. He now has a keen appreciation of art. It, it's quite funny, I'll just tell you a little story. He bought a, a new hoodie, you know, recently, and it had a print of a Caravaggio on the back of it. So when I took him to 
National Gallery in Dublin. Mm. And there was a Caravaggio in the room. He sat there for 15 minutes and, and, and looked at it. He now loves Caravaggio. I'm not sure whether he likes it because it's on the back of his shirt, but at least it gets him talking about art. Yeah. And he's in Manchester. He was the Lowry yesterday. Um, great. You know, it's about, I think we all have a duty in our position and, and Nua as a collective have a duty to try and educate people, not be, uh, you know, beat them around the head, but, but just encourage people to go to galleries yeah. and take out a pencil or a drawing. I do with my own cousins and nieces, kids and stuff. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that and have been advocating that for years to try and just like that it is, it's a massive, it's a massive therapy tool, but also it's a massive uh, world of imagination that has been created by other people. I mean, we look at some of the big blockbuster movies now that are in fantasy worlds and they're all created by artists and we have a huge amount of appreciation or, or debt towards those who have the ability to share their imagination and to put put their kind of experiences and put their their skills and their creative aptitudes towards a lot of the world that that is built around us, be it via architecture or from the design of even a shop to the design of the clothes that people wear you know so it's like it's just having an understanding of where that all came from it all comes back to design it all comes back to, to art and it all comes back to creativity and we all have it and we all have creativity in some way it's just about how we can access it um, and there's just an by just going to a gallery space and experiencing work from your own point of view without having to read this is why i've always pushed the the artist statement to be something that is accessible that like for example there are so many artists artist statements out there that are just full of complicated words and phrasing and it's just totally unnecessary let the work speak for itself give us some sort of context as to how we might frame in the work a little bit from the artist's point of view but let the work itself and back to edward hopper again let the work speak for itself let it tell a thousand words that what it is um but i think this has been a a really interesting experience and there's a lot of information here that we've learned and through your own stories i think it's it's very important that we accept and appreciate the experiences that you two have gone through and and how that shows up in your work i think by looking at your profiles on the new collective website you'll see a vast array of different types of theme in your work in your work paul and your work luke on how your work has evolved through time and how the different things that you try to cover are, are very apparent in the work um whether that's from the color palette or from the subject matter or from the, the way that it's it's laid out or from the way it's structured. And it's something that we can all take from um, just looking at work, just looking at the artwork and taking our own um, interpretation of it. Is there something else that you feel that is important to share with our listeners today about mental health and the art world, and particularly um, maybe in relation to you guys or in relation to your own practice, your own experience? Well, my view, it, 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 it's twofold. I, I prefer to keep them separate. Uh-huh. I think people need to be educated about mental health problems. That is uh-huh. not a state of mind. It's a, it's an illness. It's, it's something you know, that you go through. And on the other side, um, you have the art world, which I think we, if we can educate even a few people um, 
to go and visit galleries and, and to, to uh, experience art and have art you know, become part of their lives, it will make, definitely will make their, their lives a happier place. So I don't necessarily want to preach that art will help your mental health problems. It has me, and I think it would help a lot of people. But there's two aspects. There's the, the appreciation of art for your own enjoyment. Yes. And then there's the appreciation of the mental illness. Uh, and we need to educate people about that as well. Mm-hmm. And if they if if they can become intertwined, hey, you know, it's a win-win. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Luke, have you a, a final point? I guess we we both kind of touched on this is when we were initially diagnosed, we felt a bit weak or ashamed or mm-hmm. whatever. Um I think the overriding feeling when people have a mental health condition or illness or disorder is that they feel alone yeah. in themselves. Yeah. But like so many people struggle with whether it be clinical depression in the case of me and Paul or through various like flashpoints in your life, you know, the death of loved ones, family, our loss of income or housing issues, you know, these can all have um, traumatic effects on your mind and your psyche. And art, whether you're doing or looking at it or music, whether you're playing it or listening, these kind of creative endeavors or creative practices can really help alleviate some of the the pressures in your life at a given time is because one thing through art and one thing I, thing I know through people viewing my work is that they said I didn't know I could feel like this painting was for me or um, I didn't feel so alone or I didn't know people felt like me is that uh, you know absolutely right you're not alone it's yeah. you know we might all have different experiences with it, but you're never the only person that knows what it feels like. I just think you're better having two good friends than two people who say they're your friends. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you both for sharing your stories and for sharing information about your practice and your views about this very sensitive, but also very noteworthy topic and something that really needs to be pushed out there and needs to be uh, needs to be to be said and needs to be publicized there has been a huge amount spoken about mental health especially in in ireland and they're doing a lot for it but we can always do more um and hopefully by, by sharing your stories that we can help at least one person and and that they can potentially come through some of the difficulties that they're experiencing and hopefully art that people can take on board art and use it maybe as a form of therapy or as a form of, of processing just to get them through something and just to enjoy it because art is a, is a visual experience and um, by experiencing something that makes you happy, it can hopefully enhance those dopamine cells and get, get you on a, on a better way forward. Thank you to Luke and to Paul for joining us on this podcast and for sharing their very, very personal stories with us. We are really grateful for that. Remember, you can check out all of our podcasts through your favourite podcast provider and also follow us 
on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, we're on it. But most importantly, do check out www.newicollective.ie where you can see all of the profiles of our artists and their artworks. And remember, you can also support our artists by buying their work directly from us at our website. So that's all from us today. My name is Eamon Shanahan and you've been listening to the Newer Collective Podcast.